The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. and welcome to a brand new episode of the two-point conversation football talk for fans by fans right here on the network at bicbp-radio.com my name is matt johnson one of your hosts and alongside with me every single friday for your nfl history episodes mr andrew lens andrew happy friday how are you i'm doing wonderful how about yourself I am great. I am a day away from going on vacation. I oh. need it. I need it. Yeah. I need it a lot. I, uh, I'm exhausted. I'm gonna <laughs> mentally, physically, everything. Is your desire to exit the podcasting game greater than your desire to remain in it? <laughs> Not quite yet. I, okay. I think I'm getting I'm getting close. I'm getting close. No, it's not that close. All right, all right. Um, there are there are days where I'm just like, oh, podcasting. But uh, no, I still love it. I still love it. Nice little uh, nice little connection to last week's episode. Uh, Andrew is continuing on this week for uh, for NFL history. It is his choice for our little football people, big football world month theme. And uh, he has a fun one today, a guy that I'm not super familiar with, but we're all going to learn about today. Andrew, take it away. Who are we talking about and why are we talking about him? We are talking about Claude Henry K. Young, better known as Buddy Young, also known as the Bronze Bullet. Very good. Very good. A former uh, Baltimore Colt. So uh, yeah. a guy that I, uh, I'm definitely... I'm definitely excited to talk about. Yeah, it looks like he, ooh, he played in the f- football iteration of the New York Yankees. Yanks. The Yanks. <laughs> the New York Yankees. The New York Yanks. The Dallas Texans. The former KC Chiefs. No, no wait. That's not the, that's the original no, one. That's oh, the one. man. That's yeah. the original one. My yeah. fault. Mistakes <laughs> will be made. I'll let it go this time. All right, fair enough. If you see 1952 and it says Dallas Texans, it's the NFL version. I should have known. NFL. Um, because <laughs> they went on to become pretty much, in a way, the Baltimore Colts. Right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's chat about this thing, man. What uh, what what made him stick out to you and, and made you want to talk about him for one of our episodes this month. I'm like a broken record. NFL films, little guy, it just seemed perfect for what we were talking about. Um, also kind of fitting into the Black History Month theme of what he did and playing in the early years of the NFL as well. And he's just kind of 
one of those NFL hidden gems that nobody really talks about, nobody mentions anymore. That's so got to get the names out. You got to break open the closet, let the names of the past out. I feel. I I I wholeheartedly agree. You can't, can't just lose. right. Yeah. You can't just yeah. You can't just just not acknowledge them and just forget about them. We'd be doing a the. No, a terrible disservice to football fans if we if we did that on this show. So, um, so all right. So take it away. Let's uh, let's learn some stuff and some things about Buddy Young. So, a Buddy Young was a running back, and he was actually four inches shorter than Barry Sanders. So he is five foot five four, four. Okay. hundred and seventy five pounds, and he's forty pounds less than Barry Sanders. Just about yes. Uh Great track and field, uh, great football player as well. Uh, offered several scholarships, you know, University of Michigan, Drake University, Marquette, and uh, University of Illinois. He ended up going to the University of Illinois, first play from scrimmage, 64-yard run for a touchdown. And he also uh, equaled Red Grange's record for rushing touchdowns in a season. So that was a big thing Hmm. as well. But we're talking about the 40s, and there's that, you know, the big thing that happened, and it was a call to service. So his college career was put on hold so he could go serve our country. Which I actually admire a lot, too. Before you get too much further on that, I actually admire, because there's no draft at that time. Correct? It's... yeah, he did get drafted. He did get drafted. But a lot of guys, uh, you know, the NFL went down from 33 players to 25. That was on a roster. Uh, college football teams were just getting rid of their college football programs because I, I know where you're going, where, you know, it's a call to service. And he did mention that one of his greatest things was he got to serve his country. Right. But that was, but he gets he gets called to service, uh, and he once his you know his time of service is over. He you know there's rumors cir- circulating. Uh, would he be drafted in the NFL or would he go back to school? Because obviously you have eligibility left. And he ended up going back to school, and he was the MVP or co I'm sorry co player of the game. In the 1947 Rose Bowl, as they beat UCLA 45 to nothing, though, what I they're fighting. I knew them as the fighting line. I I don't know what they are now. Okay, <laughs> I say the okay. The University of Illinois beat UCLA 45 to 14. So, Buddy Young comes from a poor family, just got married, has a kid. What can you do? What can you do back then? You're a big college athlete. You know, you did track and field, great football player. Well, he goes into pro football. And he goes to the new, that sounds crazy, the New York Yankees of the AAFC or what is that all American football conference? Yeah. That's where San Fran and Cleveland came from. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
I just couldn't remember what the all yep all American Football Conference. Man. So he goes there, plays, and obviously he joins once they join the two uh, leagues merge. Uh, he joins the New York Yanks. This is kind of a Joe Thomas type situation once again. And it's funny that we're talking about this because here's just a guy who's a good player, has skill sets, but just never plays for a good team. So most of those baseball ripoff teams were never good at all. Um, Yeah. (laughs) The New York Yanks. The New York Yanks. That not to be mistaken with Migos ripoff of G.I. Joe, the fighting <laughs> Yanks. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, so he joins the other Yankee players with the New York Yanks. The Yanks fold in 1951. Young is then assigned to the Dallas Texans. And then the Dallas Texans fold in 1952. And then he would be assigned to the Baltimore Colts. And that's where he would finish his career in 1955. But he was a threat at several positions. Five five times in his professional career, he eclipsed a thousand all-purpose yards, which is pretty big. And was in 1954, he was selected to the NFL Pro Bowl team over his 10-year career in the NFL in the AAFC. So hard to say that. He averaged 44.6 yards per carry as a running back and over 15 yards per reception. So he, even though he was a tiny guy, he was super fast. Like I said, he ran track and field. Uh, he was supposed to represent the United States in the Olympics, but he did go on to play professional football because it was more money at that time. Than- of course, of course. Uh, so he's just this little tiny guy and one of his greatest stints uh, kind of promotional things to get people into the stadium at Baltimore because when you think about the Baltimore Colts you'd think about Johnny Unitas, Raymond Barry and before that the Colts were absolutely terrible uh, so they pinned him against the Colts mascot, which was a real life horse <laughs> in a race. And uh, after a while, he thought about it. He was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, You become and, a circus act in a way. Well, that's what he that's that's how he felt. I mean, when you're five foot three, 175 pounds, if you watch the highlights of him, great football player. Like, it's like, Wow. But then when you see him with the ball, it almost looks like the ball is bigger than him. Like, it looks like a kid catching the ball and running. So he's trying to, he tried to get out of it, but he ended up actually racing the horse. Uh, One guy said he jumped the gun and he was good 25 yards before the horse even took off. And he actually beat, he beat the mascot. Sounds like he cheated, but you know, he cheat. It's a horse. Come on, <laughs> and he didn't want to do it, so can't blame him. 
that's pretty cool actually that's that, that's pretty neat yeah, yeah I, you don't you don't think of, i mean baltimore's not like i know the cults are pretty popular but uh, i don't know i don't think of, I, I mean i obviously they they were eventually but you know back in that time i wouldn't necessarily call the uh the the, the people the city of baltimore a football town no no the... Well, actually, wait. No, he's he did. Yeah, this is before Johnny Unitas. So forgive yeah. me. This isn't even close. This is a couple years before Johnny U even comes about. They're still trying to find their footing. Yeah, that's yeah. No, well, he's he's it. I mean, if you look at uh, you know fifty three, they are three and nine. Fifty four, they are three and nine. Uh, and 55 his last year with the Colts, a little bit better, five, six, and one. Some improvement, but yeah, overall, he was just on some really, really bad teams. Super bad teams. I think this was George Shaw was the quarterback. 55 Colts. Let's see. Well, this is where it comes into play is they're from a team that folded. So he went from a league that merged and they said, go play for the New York Yanks to Yanks folded. We're going to move you to, we're going to move you to Dallas. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Dallas is Dallas is a great place. Let's go there. That team sucked and folded. Some guys say that they weren't even sure if their checks were going to be cashed. I think the NFL at one point just took over the Dallas Texans. I think the Dallas Texans might be something we might want to explore in later episodes. Cause I think so with multiple iterations of it, I, I, I definitely would not see anything wrong with that. But so that team folded. So then all the holdings get awarded to Carol Rosenbroom. He says, I'm going to put this team in Baltimore after the old Baltimore Colts team failed. Cause there was one in the AA the AAFC, but that one didn't manage to get it. So as what I can tell, uh, you got Raymond Barry on the team probably before we know, we, we knew him as Raymond Barry. And then the quarterback was George Shaw, Alan Amici. So he's almost there. You know, if he could have held on for just a couple more years, but, Three more years, but at that point, because fifty-eight is when they win. What the fifty-eight is when they when they beat the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, yeah, because he was still. Let's see, he's twenty. Yeah, he's still in his early thirties. At that point. His final year, fifty-five. He's oh, he's twenty-nine. Right? Does that make? Yeah, because you figured he, you lost a couple of year, a year or two in college. Yeah, tw- he's about twenty-eight, twenty-nine years old. So there is still possibly some mileage on him. I don't know about for. Eh. Maybe at one point, I don't know. Nobody, it didn't really state why he retired or anything of that nature. Probably tired of racing the horse. <laughs> Probably, Probably that. Losing. 
I mean, it's one of those situations, like uh, just this learning and, and, and just hearing about this guy. You know, you always hear about these guys who retire. They go away just so close to mm-hmm. something great. You know, we're looking at this with, you know, this past year's Bengals team, right? The the, the A.J. Greens, Carlos Dunlaps, uh, Geno Atkins, and, uh, you know, and others who, like, great players who left their team right before they hit this stride. And it sounds like Buddy Young was one of those guys who just maybe didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, uh, it it's – that's how it is sometimes, though. It's, it's, it's – hindsight is obviously twenty twenty, but – Man, how cool it would it have been to be a champion, you know, to retire a champion? He, Based on most NFL lifespans, he probably had at least another six years in him, you know, uh, at, at least, yeah. at the very least. I don't know if he – it says he didn't really get hit too much. Gino Marchetti mentioned, you know, that he was, he was so fast and everything else, so he didn't really take that big of hits. And he right. didn't wear hardly any pads. He wore – a helmet before face mask and shoulder pads. Hmm. So we're not, so there's no thigh pads, no hip pads, none of that stuff. Cause he felt it would just slow him down. So it's like, if I can get away with the shoulder pads and the helmet, that's all I'm doing. Let's see. I'm trying to find some, I'm trying to see if I can dig up something. Yeah. It's, You know, I'm I'm thinking of the short, stocky stature. Maybe take some time, take some hits. Back then, it was not easy. No, not easy. No, we definitely know that. Yeah, there's there's like nothing. Nothing. There's not a whole lot on him. No, but it is cool, you know, to have that honor being one. I mean, the Colts have a lot of retired players, and you know, and for me who goes tries to visit Indianapolis regularly to kind of now I now I can go like look up at, at like another name and just be like oh cool there's just there's a certain story behind it but as far as like meaningful moments and such yeah you're right there's not a whole lot of substance there no it's one of those uh kind of well he was at least he was a skill position player he also did play de- some defensive back uh which it's pretty crazy too, considering how short he is and you want your defensive back to be so tall. Uh, I completely, but okay. To like Joe Thomas, I kind of lost my train of thought, you know, Joe Thomas offense tackle is a skill position where you can't level a moment, like a team moment onto this, onto this player or, a breakout year, you just know they're good. You just see it. You, 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 I mean, the stats won't really say anything. I mean, if you look at the stats today, you're like, oh, wow. But back then, those are, those are good stats. But he's just, you can't define him. Like with the NFL films thing was like five minutes long. I mean, right. Art Rooney, Art Rooney, great owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, called him the most exciting football player you ever saw. So, I mean, that's that's something huge right there. Yeah, it's Isn't a nice, that? it's a it's a nice term, a term of endearment, endorsement. 
you know, and Rooney's seen a lot of good football players too. But he did his retirement. He didn't go, you know, anything. Uh, he did work in the Colts farm office. And then in 1966, Pete Roselle came a knocking and said, I want you to come work for the NFL. And he became the first black executive to work for the NFL. He was the director of player relations, uh, you know, trying to get teams to encourage to hire uh, blacks in the front office and get more, you know, African-Americans in there as well. Because by the time he's playing in 47, there's what? Mary Motley. There's a hand. There's, it's a, it's only a handful. Bill Willis, uh, Kenny Washington, and then I think maybe one or two more. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing that he even kind of played. I, maybe that could be the reason why I got out. I mean, it's possible. He, he, he probably felt like he could do more with, as far as integrating the game in an office setting than, than on field. It's, it's entirely possible. And then another, you know, the short, cause you got a guy like Mary Motley. He's, he's a, Big player. Same thing with, you know, Willis. But they deal with the one type of discrimination, you know, color of their skin. Here's Buddy Young, who has to deal with with the color of his skin as discrimination, but also his height. So it's a fantastic point. It's a double whammy right there. You got two things working against you right away. Right. You know, who is this, and I'm not, who is this, and I don't mean this crazy, but, you know, coaches back then are probably going, who is this little black guy? Right. Why is he even coming out here? This is football. We're going to hit. Big man's game. Big man's game mentality. Always. Little guys cannot play. And then they look at that. They look at the color of his skin and they're like, well, what what am I going to do with this? you know the stigma of his skin the stigma of his height so for him to actually not only play but for to play as many years as he did it's got to be pretty crazy i read somewhere that he did mention one year when uh i think he was with the yanks or somebody and he they did have to play in baltimore uh Baltimore fans did show up in blackface. Oh, yeah. That's upsetting. So uh, I think that could be another thing. I think that might be it. I mean, uh, you're you're 100% right. It's people back then didn't give a shit, unfortunately. Uh, And people to this day don't give a shit in that regard either, sadly. Um, but the, I mean, when you're go to places, a place, right? It's just, just that, that that taunting factor about your, your race, and and it's so it's a lot of a lot of it is very very intended to be malicious. I could understand wanting to get out of the game. I can completely understand wanting to to get away from that kind of environment. Football is a hostile crowd as it is. All right, hostile fans, hostile just a, a lot of things. You go to the, you know. Sit, I've been in many games with hostile fan bases, um, mostly in the same stadium. But it, you get what I'm saying. It, it, you think just back then that the the un, 
how unethical and how um how casual it was for somebody to wear you know blackface and we're not saying that this is what it is but we're just we're you know we're talking we're, about we're, a historical time a historical yeah. time and, and this is a, i mean a complete hypothetical uh, a lot of you know from what i've read and understood a lot of black players did not like to deal with the racism aspect of uh of some of these crowds and these, these very just atmospheres who wants to do that and and you gotta think too they're not getting paid he's getting paid a little bit more than some of his other opportunities but it's nowhere close to the money that they're making today right it, it's yeah. not worth it it's not worth going out there and just being humiliated personally in one, that regard one sports writer put you know probably around this time this is when nfl players lived in your neighborhood right not owned your neighborhood in a way you know if you lived in an apartment building nfl players lived in apartments they didn't own apartments they were more community you could see a player grocery shopping you might even work with a player part-time you know that's just how crazy it was then so but he i think that was one of the other reasons why i brought up is you know not just a great player but breaking down the barriers and as we're you know we're in black history month you want to be able to tie some things together as well and i think this one really did and i we we try and do at least one every month or once every february we've done fitz pollard we've done mary motley you know buddy young talking about the humbleness of barry sanders and here's buddy young who you know, played many years with a lot of bad teams and endured not only playing with bad teams, but two types of, you know, discrimination. You're, you're black, you're small, you can't play. Right. And he showed everybody that he could. And then he goes on to become the first black executive in 1966 and time height of civil rights racial tensions as well and you know it gets hired by the nfl the nfl is not really what it it, back then is what it is today but still though when you get hired by a major you know sports league that is huge it is no it it definitely is we even know i mean jim brown was still facing you know these kind of issues as a player in, in the 1960s and for you know, Buddy Young to kind of be up at that executive level and help him try and just make a difference. It's, uh, you know, it says a lot. So, but that is it, everybody. That is it for this episode on Buddy Young. Nice, quick, and easy um, for this week. He is in the Hall of Fame. Yep. 1968, and he was the first Baltimore Colt or Colt to have his uniform, his jersey retired. I do want to mention that. Of course. So that's a great accomplishment as well. It is. No, it is. There's, like I said, there's a lot of lot of people, um, a lot of a lot of Colts jerseys retired in NFL history, and it's really neat to, uh, uh, you know, to hear who was the first one. You always wonder about that yeah. thing. Um, next week, the conclusion of little football people, big football world. Steve Smith, we are talking about should be a uh, should be a good one. I'm excited to kind of break down his career. The uh, uh, one of the best trash one of the best trash talkers in NFL history. I think he's definitely up there in that ice up son. Um, as long as yeah. a lot of other crazy fun moments, 
Uh, we'll take a look at that his career, and you know, which is still kind of going on, not as a football player, but um, in his analytical role currently. I'm excited to talk about it and uh, conclude this month. So, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two point conversation is. Yeah, it's fine.